Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good times never felt so good. The countdown to the final tomorrow continues with our final European Championship rewinds. Fear not. It is a rest day, but of course we're not resting on rest days. We're still looking back at tournaments gone by. Today's Euro Rewind is the previous tournament, that being European Championship 2016, played in France. I am Jake from What If Football. This is the Euro Daily Podcast, episode 34. Just three more to go now. We are available on Apple, Acast, Spotify and Amazon, where if you're feeling ultra generous, you could give us a like, subscribe and a five-star review to help us out if you are enjoying the show, of course. If you're not, please don't give us a one-star review. And we're also available on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash whatifootball. The Euro Daily Podcast is on there. And after the European Championships, we've got seven days a week content on there for a monthly donation of £3. That is one pint a month out of your budget. Let's get stuck in to today's show. So, who were the hosts? It was France, of course, and the good old rose-tinted days of the 16-team tournament at the European Championships were now gone, bastardised. It was now 24 teams. Would the football be diluted? Would it be more exciting? Should third-place teams be able to go through to the knockout stage? Regardless, it opened avenues for other teams. Some lesser nations, Northern Ireland, Austria, Wales, Iceland, Slovakia, Romania and Albania, all qualified by normal traditional means. Meanwhile, the established hierarchy of Denmark and Sweden had to play off for the remaining places against one another. And the Netherlands somehow contrived to finish fourth in a six-team group, only beating Kazakhstan and Latvia. Belgium ended a 16-year wait to finally qualify for a European Championships. Meanwhile, England went 100% under, 
Roy Hodgson, good times never felt so good. Um, Italy, Romania and Austria also went undefeated in qualification. Austria kind of looking like dark horses there. Slovenia and Norway looked to end 16 years of waiting for the Euros, but lost to Ukraine and Hungary respectively. Denmark fell to the indomitable Zlatan Ibrahimovic in a 2-2 draw in Parken Stadium in a 4-3 aggregate defeat in the playoffs. Meanwhile, good old John, John Walter, scored twice to vanquish Bosnia. Like in the 2012 playoff, Ireland was to be at the Euros once more. So France were the hosts, they were amongst the favourites. They, in Group A, found themselves against Romania, Albania and Switzerland, but had to leave it late against the likes of Romania and Albania. They were very much flattering to deceive in their opening games. Dimitri Payet struck late in the first match, Antoine Griezmann striking late in the second match, winning 2-1 and 2-0, respectively. Meanwhile, Switzerland's win against Albania and a point against Romania meant that a nice, friendly draw against France in the last game was a convenient end for both teams. Switzerland would finish in second, France in first. Meanwhile, third place was still up for grabs in terms of qualification. A Romania win would see them through on four points effectively, really. However, Albania, coming off the back of two defeats, won and their place in the last 16, not assured, but their hope remained as they were on three points with a negative goal difference. They would have to wait excruciatingly until Group F concluded in a couple of days' time, which is a huge flaw in the system, really. Group B featured an all-home nations class. Our beak was wetted by a late Russia equaliser against England, despite Eric Dyer's fantastic free kick over there. Wales announced themselves a bit better off in the European Championship stage thanks to a Gareth Bale free kick and a Hal Robson-Canu winner. Not Hal Robson-Canu's greatest goal at this Championships. Robson-Canu, of course, a player who went into the tournament without a club, famously. Slovakia would bounce back, though. Marek Hamšík, their talisman, scoring a great goal to hinder Russia's progression. Russia would, of course, finish last. And Lons was the venue for England versus Wales, the pick of the games in this group, or perhaps the majority of the groups, maybe Belgium versus Italy aside there. Bale scored another free kick, which perhaps Joe Hart could have saved and should have saved before Jamie Vardy equalised off the back of the fantastic Leicester City season where the 5,000-1 team won the league against all odds. And it was going down to the wire. England reversed their first match day fortunes. It was the the winner for England this time. Stoppage time was England's this time, as Guy Murbury puts it. Daniel Sturridge scoring a lovely winner on, 90th, on the 90th minute. It meant that England needed a win to top the group against Slovakia. Wales probably was uh, were fine with a point, but they ran rampant in Toulouse, sticking three beyond Russia. Meanwhile, Slovakia, needing a point to be sure of qualification, got that point in one of the worst games of football ever likely to be seen, um, not just in English history, European Championships history, but football history, really. Um, England versus Algeria, see that for another horrific England nil-nil display and obviously this meant that Wales topped the group on six points. They had lost the battle but they had seemingly won the war which was significant because it fed them into a kind of half of the draw compared to England. Seemingly not for the last 16 but of course that is for later on isn't it? The order of the day in Group C was clean sheets as Germany and Poland both escaped with zero goals conceded. It obviously meaning an obvious nil-nil between the two in Paris. Meanwhile Poland edged Northern Ireland and Ukraine by a scoreline one goal 
to nil. Meanwhile, Germany beat Ukraine 2-0 and Northern Ireland 1-0 to ensure that they would t- top the group on goal difference. So that meant the most important game of the group was Ukraine versus Northern Ireland in Lyon in the second game. Second match day of the group, Gareth McCauley and Niall McGinn won Northern Ireland's only European Championship game and they, like Albania, were waiting to see if they progressed. They were ahead of Albania's minus two goal difference, but they had three points and level goal difference. So they were in the driving seat, so to speak. Turkey's performance in Group D rendered Northern Ireland's participation, continuing into the last 16, Turkey losing to Croatia and Spain without scoring and shipping four. Their 2-0 win over Czech Republic eliminated any prospect of Czech Republic going through, finishing fourth. Whilst Northern Ireland had one of the coveted four best third-place teams, Turkey, like Albania, had to wait for Groups E and F. The only bone of contention in Group D was places 1 and 2, Spain had beaten Czech Republic late via Gerard Piquet winner and were fairly convincing against Turkey Alvaro Morata getting on the score sheet there. Meanwhile, Luka Modric scored an absolute screamer, probably the goal of the tournament or definitely up there as well against Turkey. And had it not been for a late capitulation against Czech Republic, they would have gone into the the third match seemingly already qualified. But it kept Czech hopes alive. It kept Croatia's hopes alive slightly. It was a match marred by fan violence and incessant stoppages. Anyway, Alvaro Morata opened up Spain's account in Bordeaux against Croatia, but Nikola Kalinic and Ivan Perisic scored with Sergio Ramos missing a penalty. Croatia winning 2-1, leapfrogging Spain and into the last 16. Spain, of course, missing the knockout stage in the 2014 World Cup. Croatia likewise, of course. And Croatia would be fed into the quote-unquote kinder half of the draw, but would be drawn against one hell of a team. Meanwhile, Spain would face the winner of Group E. So, in Group E, the first round of fixtures were arguably more the most important. Ireland were unlucky to escape Paris with a point after an own goal in a 1-1 draw against Sweden. I seem to remember Jeff Hendrick playing like Lionel Messi in that game. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> Belgium's 2-0 loss to Italy, which I think it could be considered a shock after the 2014 World Cup. Of course, that was Belgium's first tournament in... It would have been 12 years, wouldn't it? And they reached the quarterfinals. Meanwhile, Italy were on the first plane home, losing to Costa Rica, um, going out with England. So, so much has changed in seven years, hasn't it? Anyway, Thibaut Courtois' war of words with manager Mark Wilmots wouldn't end here. Um, Italy and Belgium would take wins into match day two. Ireland's 3-0 loss to Belgium, not extremely good for the goal difference, but they clung in there, needing a win in their final game. Going into the final game, though, they were playing Italy, of course. Um, the saving grace for Ireland was that uh, Italy were already through as group winners with a head-to-head against Belgium. Sweden, of course, couldn't overtake them. Ireland knowing that a one-goal win would be enough in third because they'd be on four points, of course. Sweden, likewise, could qualify. Ireland's win would trump Turkey and Albania's record, no matter what happened in Group F. So Ireland with Italy in Lille. Italy rested, they were through, as we say, top of the group. Meanwhile, Belgium confirmed their place in second with an absolutely rasping Rajan Angelen strike. Not the first time, not the last time he'd do that in this tournament. But of course, the story from the group, aside from Italy's win against Belgium, was Robbie Brady. Ireland had gone up one end, almost snatched the win late on in the day, and it looked as though their chance was gone. But then across, Robbie Brady leapt like a salmon header trickled into the net. Ireland progressed on four points. They would be in a last 16, a knockout phase of the European Championship. 
for the very first time. The closest they had got, of course, was in 1988, when they unfortunately missed out to the Netherlands and Marco van Basten, of course. They would face France after what happened in Group F. And what happened in Group F? Well, it was an absolute minefield, wasn't it? Portugal were inarguably the favourites to win this group. They had Hungary, Iceland and Austria, who were billed as dark horses, but... Team versus team, you'd probably fancy Portugal to beat Austria, wouldn't you? So Hungary, they drew with Portugal. Portugal opening up with two draws against Hungary, uh, against Iceland and Austria, sorry. Um, Austria, however, they opened up without a goal in their first two games, losing to Hungary somehow, and of course that nil-nil draw. Such was the standard of football at this tournament against Portugal. Portugal wouldn't get a win on the board against Iceland, a shocking 1-1 draw. Iceland seemingly there to make up the numbers, but... Iceland kept up the momentum with a similar 1-1 draw against Hungary. The thunderclap would gain the headlines whilst Hungary seemingly topped the group under the radar. That being off the back of a, inarguably, game of the tournament, Hungary 3, Portugal 3. Iceland versus Austria, probably the moment of the tournament as well for what happened in the final minute. Arnott Straustersen scored the last minute winner in Paris against Austria. We all remember the Icelandic commentary for that one. It was just fantastic. And of course, that winner eliminated Austria in fourth and put Iceland through in second place with five points. Hungary topping the group and Portugal's draw saved by Cristiano Ronaldo with that beautiful flick and another goal. Uh, it was a marvellous game of football. I cannot stress that enough. <laughs> Easily the game of the tournament. The point saved Portugal because three points drawing three games, it left them um, on zero goal difference um, and that in turn eliminated Albania, unfortunately. Um, Portugal qualified without winning the game, but they were undefeated. So swings and roundabouts really and weren't what you'd consider among the favourites at all. France were weren't really performing to their capabilities. Obviously, the home advantage they had, um, they were in and amongst the front runners. Spain were kind of disappointing in their progress, so they were sort of on the periphery as well. But it was it was um, anybody's to win, really. In one half of the draw, we have France, we have Germany and Italy, who were seemingly on a collision course for the quarterfinals. Germany were, of course, world champions and probably amongst the favourites. And you kind of had the sense that whoever won, if it came down to France and Germany in the semi-finals, which of course now we know they did, whoever won that would probably win the tournament. And Italy, having gone out of the World Cup in 2014, of course they got to the final in 2012. Um, and under Antonio Conte, they were definitely a force. Um, but it, it, seemingly the winner was from that half of the draw. Meanwhile, in the other half of the draw, you have you got Switzerland, you got Poland, you got Wales, you got Northern Ireland. Belgium were probably amongst the favourites to reach the final. They were the golden generation. This was their best chance to get to a final. So you say they, they had to beat Hungary, Wales and probably Portugal or Poland to get to the final. This is These were the, the favourites, Portugal and Belgium. Portugal's saving grace was the fact that they had an easy half of the draw, but... They're, um, on paper, at least their hardest game would be in the last 16 against Croatia, which would they finally be able to uh, win their first game in 90 minutes? Well, well, we'll of course find out after this 2021 trivial teaser and this short, short break. Welcome back. So, well done to James, Jake and George for getting Nathan Ake correct. Well done to you. They tweeted me at what if underscore YouTube. And if you think you know the answer to the following teaser answer, 
let me know via those means, please. So today I am a centre forward. I've been managed by Jana Anderson and Fred Rutten. I've played alongside Ziriboto, Jerome Botang, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Michael Mancien and Alexander Isaac. And again, for those in the back, I'm a centre forward. I've been managed by Jana Anderson and Fred Rutten. And some of my teammates have been Zeriberto, Jerome Botang, Ruud van Nistelrooy, Michael Mancien and Alexander Isaac. If you think you know the answer again, tweet me at whatif underscore YouTube and we will reveal the answer tomorrow, which is, of course, final day, isn't it? We'll be, uh, we'll be taking a, a fairly nostalgic look back on the tournament that we've just experienced. That being Euro 2020, of course. And of course, after that, we'll be a final Euro Daily podcast where we will be reviewing Italy versus England in the final. And looking back on the tournament, see who had the goal of the tournament, who's the player of the tournament, who should be in a team of the tournament, etc, etc. After this short break, though, we'll be covering the knockout phase of Euro 2016. Could England and Roy Hodgson go all the way? Hmm. So the knockout phase of the championship, which had been fairly underwhelming up until this point, was opened up by an absolute wonder goal. Jordan Shakiri overhead kick outside the box. Nothing was topping that all tournament. I we talked about the Luka Modric goal, the Raja Nangalan goal, the fantastic goals in their own right. Dimitri Payet was in for a goal of the tournament shot, but this just blows it all out of the water. For an overhead kick in a last 16 game from the edge of the area, this is just Jordan Shakiri in a Switzerland shirt, just in a nutshell, really, wasn't it? But it would go to penalties. Robert Lewandowski scoring a goal in this one with Granit Xhaka missing the crucial spot kick, sending Poland through to their first ever quarterfinal in the year, as we discussed in 2012. But they probably should have made the quarterfinals there, but they had gone one step further here. They would meet the winner of Croatia versus Portugal. And I said it would be Portugal's toughest test of this half of the draw. And so it seemed to prove it was taken all the way to extra time in what was quite a Doubt a game of football, to say the least. It was a game with a resounding zero shots on target in the 90 minutes, and it was yeah, it was a shocker. But it had that um, it had that late drama at the death of extra time. Ricardo Caresma taking a goal right off Cristiano Ronaldo's plate and heading Portugal into a quarter final with Poland, which now you know why it's the kind of half of the draw. In between, though, was another very nervous game that ended one nil again in. It was the first home nations, all home nations game since the fantastic England versus Scotland tie in 1996. Would this be likewise? It was Wales. It was Northern Ireland. No, it was nervy. It was tense. And it was won thanks to a Gareth McCauley goal. Unfortunately for Northern Ireland and the Green and White Army, it was in the other side, the wrong side of the net. And the chance of Will Griggs on fire that illuminated the tournament for so many nations at this tournament, that fire was definitively put out. Macaulay, the hero against Ukraine, at zero here, but Northern Ireland getting to the last 16 of the Euros, nothing to be sniffed at in their first ever European Championships. Wales, similarly in their first ever European Championships, equaled the team of 1958, the World Cup there. They would have, of course, been knocked out by Pele and Brazil in a 1-0 loss there in Sweden. This time, though, they had the mighty, mighty Belgium, didn't they? 
On the other half of the draw, more crushing home nation disappointment, or rather more crushing Irish disappointment the following day. Robbie Brady had put Italy, uh, put Ireland rather, still thinking about that magical night in Lille, still putting, um, putting Ireland through thanks to a penalty after just two minutes and it seemed as though the boys in green were going to face England in the quarterfinals and what a momentous match that would have been in Paris as well. However, <laughs> the first part of that fell down, of course, we know the second part wouldn't be too far behind, would it? But uh, the first part was crushed by Antoine Griezmann on the hunt for the golden boot, of course, added two sickness in the second half with that little dance that he did in the summer of 2016. And and to be fair, what followed in the next games were, were two thrashings by easily more dominant teams. Germany beat Slovakia with a 3-0 win. Belgium humbled Hungary, Roger England getting in on the act. And the last 16, of course, ended with two shocks. Less so was Italy's 2-0 win over Spain, which ended officially eight years of Euro's dominance, but you never truly felt that that dominance would continue, especially after the group stage exit in the 2014 World Cup. Chiellini, still going today, of course, as we know, and Graziano Pella got the goals there. How the uh, some facets of the Italy team have changed, some just stay the same. Meanwhile, in Nice, England, Iceland, a team was to be embarrassed and we all know, we were all thinking at least, that team would be Iceland. They'd had a good tournament. They'd only a nation of 300,000 or so people. They were to be put to one side and the dominant English would would finally win something. Football was to be coming home. But, and to be fair, it started quite well. Wayne Rooney scoring a penalty after a few minutes. And then it all went sour. Sour quite quickly. <laughs> From a long throw, Iceland equalised and then Joe Hart fumbled another goal into the net. Iceland 2, England 1. Perhaps England's most damning display since the 1950 World Cup where England lost 1-0 to the United States, a part-time United States there in uh, Belo Horizonte. And this of course ended the reign of one Roy Hodgson. In his place though, fear not, Sam Allardyce and... The future of English football was was brighter after that, of course. <laughs> More on that tomorrow, obviously. So Iceland would play France. But first, Poland went the distance once more in the quarterfinal, this time against Portugal. And as we know now from Spain, teams don't win multiple shootouts in the same European championships. France were uh, cursed by that in 1996. Similarly, so were England. Um, here, Poland were as well. Robert Lewandowski and the by far the young player of the tournament, Renato Sanchez, traded the goals. With Jakub Laskowski, the villain of the piece, missing the kick in a 5-3 penalty shootout defeat. The following night, though, like Iceland, Wales was supposed to roll over and be beaten by Belgium. Wales, of course, the last home nation left after Northern Ireland, Ireland and England dropped like flies in the last 16. They were supposed to roll over. Rajan England bulleted a goal into the top corner and they were doing up until that point. However, team spirit won through and inarguably the best night in Welsh football history this was. Ashley Williams headed him from a corner and then one of the best goals of the tournament. Hal Robson Canu turned into Johan Cruyff for a split second there. Sent Three Belgian defenders for a hot dog. The Cruyff turn curled it past Thibaut Courtois. All the composure in the world from a player who, let's not forget, didn't even have a club. 
And then, of course, a Sam Vokes header that to confirm the 3-1 win for Wales. Easily the best night in Welsh football history. Mark Vilmots was sacked within weeks. Courtois involved in a bust-up with him, retained his place. And in there, his place was the one Roberto Martinez, who would lead Belgium to the semi-final in 2018 of a World Cup, who would lead Belgium to the quarter-finals of this tournament. So, in terms of European Championships, the golden generation very much standing still. The third quarter-final, like the first, went to penalties and it involved Germany, so you can tell already before I even attempt to talk about this game, you can tell who won that. But it wasn't quite as simple as that, was it? 18 penalties were taken, only 11 scored as uh, Jonas Hector converted for Germany. Meanwhile, Simone Zaza still running up to the penalty, apparently. And uh, that penalty is still in orbit, as we know. <laughs> it was one of the most shocking moments of the entire tournament, that penalty miss. Of course, Italy's penalty penalty fortunes would be very, very, very different in 2020. The final quarter-final was France. It was Iceland. It was Paris. Again, Iceland, they were supposed to lay down rollover. And to be fair, unfortunately, I think their race was run in the quarter-finals. France ran five goals in, in Paris. Iceland, though, they would retain some credit with two goals against the hosts. And off the back of this, they would go into the 2018 World Cup. And although, yes, they wouldn't make the quarterfinals in that tournament, still acquitted themselves very well in Russia, as they had done here with the thunderclap, living long in the memory, often imitated, never replicated, really. The semi-final left two multiple two-time winners, two multiple winners in Germany, winning three times, of course, France winning twice. And the other half of the draw featured two teams who had never won the trophy, Portugal versus Wales in Lyon. Meanwhile, Germany versus France in Marseille, a semi-final settled by Antoine Griezmann. Two more goals, the golden boot hunt was, barring any Cristiano Ronaldo miracles, effectively over with Griezmann's goals there. The other semi-final demanded a potential new winner, though, Portugal versus Wales. Cristiano Ronaldo and Nani assured there would be no repeat of the Belgium quarter-final. Two goals in quick succession in the second half, quashing Welsh dreams. The Welsh dream was over. They would continue and be a knockout stage presence in 2020, as we know, um, getting to the last 16. Of course, they wouldn't make the World Cup in 2018 on the, on the 60th anniversary of that particular tournament, but they will be. There will be a threat in qualifying for Qatar next year, as we now know. So it came down to the final. Portugal, France, Paris, or what I would call my personal hell, because moths, moths just invaded the stand in France. <laughs> Floodlights were left on overnight, attracting moths, like moths to a flame, so to speak. And uh, Portugal, who had won one game in 90 minutes, were playing France, who had won all but that dead rubber against Switzerland, that being five of six games. Cristiano Ronaldo, Portugal's seemingly only hope to win an international trophy, probably outside of Eusebio in 1966, that can be said. He was shot down early through injury and Portugal were dark horses before. If they were dark horses in the last 16, they were dark horses. In the final, and they were even darker shade of horse as the... Uh, the game rumbled onto half-time, still goalless. And it was goalless after 90 minutes as well. And perhaps the scenes weren't as memorable for the winning goal, which came in Portuguese red or Portuguese burgundy. It was more memorable for Cristiano Ronaldo coaching 
Portugal from the sidelines. We'd seen it with João Moutinho in the quarterfinal, begging him to take a take a penalty in the shootout. Of course, after Moutinho missed his kick in the 2012 semi-final, Moutinho was avenged there. Cristiano Ronaldo avenged for all the heartache of 2004 against Greece, 2008 against Germany, 2012 against Spain, of course. Edda scored the winning goal in Paris, 1-0 Portugal, their first title, and quite possibly one of the biggest final shocks. I rank Portugal winning this tournament, especially with Cristiano Ronaldo out and with France seemingly the uncrowned champions here. I rank Portugal in 2016 alongside Greece of 2004 and Denmark of 1992 as the biggest shocks. Probably Portugal are third in that list, admittedly, but still, it was a great final shock when you consider the team that they would beat. France, of course, would move on to win the 2018 World Cup with a reunion in the 2020 groups, of course, which ended a draw after 90 minutes, which was 2-2, of course. A bit, a little bit more entertaining than this final in terms of Tournaments from 2016 to 2020, of course. 2020, again, on the tournament as a whole, was far more entertaining as we speak here. Now, on the eve of the final, 2.8 goals per match, which infers quite an entertaining tournament. Meanwhile, in 2016, 2.12 goals per match. 12% of the goals came in the France versus Iceland game, which was 5-2, and Portugal versus Hungary, 3-3. The quality of the football was diluted, admittedly. There were a lot of chopping and changing with groups already settled in the third match day. Of course, that would happen in 2020, but there was no sacrificing the quality of the football on show from teams in 2020. Meanwhile, in 2016, it was just... There were far less stronger teams. In 2020, you have England, you have Belgium. Even though Spain weren't firing on all cylinders, you had Spain, France, Germany were... You know, they could find the net, they could entertain us. Portugal had a, perhaps two of the most entertaining games at the tournament. England, meanwhile, might not have been entertaining. Played good football at times. Stronger teams brings about better football. Meanwhile, here, even the games between the big nations, Germany versus France, Germany versus Italy, it never produced stunning football, which is why Euro 2016 will often be remembered for football being diluted and it just so happens that a 2014 tournament it was birthed in the European Championships here and I'm not sure that a 2014 tournament dilutes too much of the football a 32 team tournament potentially could but I don't think that the teams that the eight best ranked teams that didn't qualify for the tournament this year in 2021 would have diluted the pool too much. You had North Macedonia, who were fairly competitive, let's not forget, scored against Macedonia, scored against Austria. They were level against Austria for a long time. Turkey, yes, they might have lost every game quite convincingly, but they had, they have fantastic players in that team, a young team. So they didn't, even the teams that didn't win any points, <laughs> or even scored very little goals, they were still fairly competitive and were up to scratch in terms of the grand scheme of things. Here though, it just never felt as though the tournament got going. It was always, it always felt like, it, was, it felt, the whole tournament felt like building up to a big sneeze. I've used this analogy before, but it just felt as a, when you need a sneeze and it just and it just never ha- never happens and then the final 
ended with a whimper and that that's how you sum up the tournament the tournament wouldn't be looked back on fondly even if France beat Portugal 5-4 it was just tepid from start to finish unfortunately probably outside it probably ranks a lot lower than the 2010 World Cup and that's usually ranked for me as a as a baseline for bad tournament football really um, dramatics in parts, yes, but uh, even the year of 2016, probably the best drama you had, Portugal versus Hungary, Germany versus Italy, there were no superb games, Wales versus England from a home nation's point of view, but outside of that, of course, very little, very, very little. Of course, tomorrow we'll be talking about Euro 2020, a far better, far better international tournament. Um, of course, the final is tomorrow. You're getting nervous yet? Yeah, I am, yep. Um, <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow and until then see the up the three lines Sports Social Podcast Network Step into the world of power loyalty and luck I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply